Turn my headphones up. Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is Audit. I'm 2-5 and I got you know who, Mr. Logical, the one and only. Yeah. What's up, people? Tonight. More picks. So we gave you our NFL division predictions. Now we're going to walk it all the way through to the Super Bowl. College football is here. So you might get a smile out of 2 5. And we're going to give you our playoff picks. And just a little bit more random stuff because you know how we get down. But Mr. Logical, what's the word? Yo, it's Friday, last week of the summer. Funny story. I'm in the store yesterday shopping my son, and I'm getting shrimp. I'm putting it in the bag myself or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, do I think I got enough? And he looked down. And he was like, I mean, what are you trying to do? I'm like, well, you know, it's a long weekend. You know, I like to cook on long weekends when I have time. He's like, long weekend? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm off. You know, I'm off tomorrow. This was like I said, it was yesterday. I'm off tomorrow, and I'm off Monday for Labor Day. He goes, Labor Day? I'm like, yeah, Labor Day is Monday. And I looked at him. I'm like, oh, yeah, summer's over. School starts. He goes, <laughs> it does. And he was, he was still in his football pants from the game they played. But, like, it didn't register to him that school was starting. Football was starting. Like, high school football, they played two right, games already. Right. But, like, it didn't register to him that school started on Tuesday. Like, he has a game Tuesday. We were talking about his game on Tuesday. Right. It didn't register to him that, like, yo, you also have to go to school that morning and then your games after school. Like, it, yo, it was so funny because you literally stand in the middle of the shop, right? Like, oh, it's this weekend. I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is the, <laughs> the summer. So it just, it just made me chuckle because he was like, he just kind of moped for a second and he was like, it is the end of summer. And like, yeah. So, end of summer coincides with the beginning of football. So we're all for it. Yeah, I mean, right. we've been waiting on this for, for months. People have been talking about the countdown since Kansas City hoisted the trophy in February. They were waiting on, uh, or, or since Georgia, you know, hoisted their trophy for the national championship. People were waiting for football to come back. Preseason, eh, kind of feels like football. But right now, it feels like football. We get the iPad up with Georgia Tech and Louisville. That game's a good game. You're watching yeah. a different game on your TV. I mean, we got predicted. It's 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 about to be real live here on the Sports Reports Order. So everybody that's tuning in, tuning in with us this whole time, you know, this is the part we've been waiting on. Yeah, like, review, subscribe. It's all free. You know, it's stressed out. I'll be stressed out sometimes, you know, because neither one of my boys, you know, they, they're not into sports in that way. Like, my 15-year-old plays basketball. He played some AAU last year. And then I realized that, like, AAU was becoming a big part of my budget. So, you know what I mean? So now he's doing track. <laughs> and uh, whereas my eight-year-old, like, he want nothing to do with sports. Like, you know, he just still Pokemon. And, you know, so I'm like, they be letting me down, you know, because, you know, the wife be trying to get me to go out and stuff. Or, like, and I'm like, can't one of y'all just watch the game with me so we could, like, tell her that we spend the time together or something like y'all seem like some nice people but y'all just in my way right now <laughs> i got two i got two tickets for the falcons jets game in december 
And like my son, like they like hanging out with me, but it's like they're getting to the age where it's like they'll hang out if I really is like, hey, anybody want to go to the mall with me? <laughs> they're like, yeah, where we go eat? It's like that's it's not the, like it's not like what are you gonna get me because they know inevitably I'm gonna get something. But it's like, what well, can we eat this? And I'm like, all right, we all stop here. We'll go out of the way to get food on the yeah. way to the mall. But yeah. But yeah, just being like I like I said, luckily I've had practices and stuff like that for years and games that I could gone to. So yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a good time. I'm man. trying to I'm trying to figure out though. I'm confused on why Georgia Tech and Louisville are playing in the compressor right now. You know, because I feel you like mean the world famous Mercedes Benz dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, the it's compressor the first week of the year. You know, like I don't know, just. It's just odd because it's a conference game. You know what I mean? Like, if they were playing somebody out of conference, then I get it. Like, if they were playing, like, USC or something like that or Michigan, I get it. But they're playing a conference opponent. So, like, it just, it's just kind of weird. That's all. Like, yeah, you gave up a home. This was like you gave up the home environment. Well, Georgia Tech is not that far from. No, I mean, no. It, it's it, like yeah. 10, 15 minutes, you know. But, it, but speaking of the ACC, you know, SMU, Cal, Stafford, it's official. Makes, makes no sense. Still, it's not official. Makes any sense. Well, that's the thing. It don't have to make sense. It makes dollars. You know what I mean? Because, like, I guess ESPN, yeah, you know ESPN told the ACC, hey, there's an extra $72 million here waiting, you know, if you accept these schools into your conference. And the funny part about that is, you know, last week on 2-5 Daily, you know, I made a video talking about how NC State was going to have to flip their vote so that these schools could get in. And why? Because I think that, like, they learned or they thought about it. And you got Oklahoma going to the SEC next year. But what about Oklahoma State? You know what I mean? Like, A&M left the Big 12 but left Texas behind. So NC State, I think, had to look in the mirror and say, we're not UNC. Like North Carolina could leave us high and dry at any moment, and not bring, and they might want to bring Duke with them instead of us. So you know, out, yeah, yeah. So 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 that, so it's an extra seventy-two million, you know. But depending on what you read, SMU is not going to take any TV money for the first seven or nine years. So it just depends on what report you read. They're not going to take any of the TV money. Uh, Cal and Stanford are going to take uh, 30% for the first eight years and go up to 50% year nine and then 75% year 10, and then they'll get their full share after that, you know, so... So a lot of stuff going. It's a lot of stuff going on out here, Mister Logical. A lot of stuff going on out here. That sounds like a terrible deal, you know. So, but SMU, good news for SMU. I know a lot of y'all saw that thirty for thirty, the Pony Excess. It's legal now. So, like, come on, SMU, bring the death penalty days back. The crazy thing is, like, if you've seen that documentary, they were signing real contracts that, which technically made it legal then, to the point where it's like. I remember the moment the guy said, you have to pay this guy because if you don't pay him, he can sue us because he signed yeah. a real contract. And the guy was like, right. 
who on earth gave them real contracts? I don't know what their rationale was behind it, but it's like, I think it was more of a, we can use it against you, like piece of leverage. And then you realize that it's like Thanos with the stones. It's like, oh, I'm not use against you too. And then once people realize, like, oh, I could sue you if you don't pay me this 50 G's you promised me as an 18 year old, and I don't even play for the team anymore. Yeah. Cut the so check. I need, so I need Mr. Eric Dickerson, you know, to cut some checks too, you know. Hey, like listen, uh his my, his grandma got that car. You know, SMU's building up the facilities right now, you know, like they're they're coming to the ACC with a plan, you know. I'm cheering for them, you know, like like to see the little guy come on up. So, you know, Dallas TV market, maybe they can make a dent finally. We'll see what happens, you know, as far as Cal and Stafford. Woo! You know, so but is alignment is realignment over yet? Because now the American has to replace SMU. So, you know, like oh, like in Oregon State and Washington State. Just sitting out here is the Tupac, the Tupac now. Bring you know, on like, Bowling Green and Akron. You know, so yeah, it's a it's a lot going on out here in these college football streets. But anyway, you know, uh, today is one of the very first times in a long time that I didn't have a get it off my chest. You know, because it's been a long week. It's been a busy week, but I am excited. You know, to get this talk going on about the Super Bowl and. Like, just for the fact that we can even have a conversation about it is a great moment. Yeah. It's because, like I said, we waited for this moment for so long. Now, like I said, I'm watching this Georgia Tech-Louisville game. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm loving the, I'm in the sports. I'm in, I'm in the sports groups, and people are talking. And, uh, you know, every year someone wants to predict, you know, someone falling off the mountain, like, oh, they lost their offensive tackles. They're, the whole t- like, it's if and I was thinking about this the other day. If you lose a couple of players in free agency, and then you get replaced, you know, you get new players. February, March, mini camp, training camps, OTAs. These guys are football. They're the best. You know, fourteen hundred people at their position at this job in the country. And if you're a starter, you're one of the best 600 or so players playing football. So if you're a starter on the Chiefs, and yeah, you're not Orlando Brown from last year, but you're a right tackle, left tackle, they'll figure it out. It's not like they're going to come in there and they're going to have five guys who've never played offensive line in the NFL. And it's like, right. oh, this, like, like, calm down. Like, yeah, they got a whole offseason. They got a whole offseason. Yeah, that, that was what hurt them against – you know, Tampa was that it was sudden. They only had two you weeks. Know. Yeah, they had two weeks to prepare. But like, and, and it was sort of. We'll get to college football later. But but it's like the conversation I was having with people yesterday. You know, they kept telling me, "Oh, Cam Rising's not playing. Are you, you know? Are you going to come back now and admit that Florida's going to whoop Utah?" And I said, "No, I'm still taking Utah because it'd be one thing if we were in the middle of the season and Cam Rising hurt." But he was hurt all off season, so like they yeah. were already had, they already had packages built. They had a play. Guys were getting or first team reps all off season. It wasn't like when he right. got hurt in the Rose Bowl and they had to put that dude Barnes in, and it was like. But yeah, right. So, so 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 that's that's why I like I told them yesterday. I said I'm still taking Utah to win this game because for one, I don't trust Graham Mertz. That's number one. Number two. 
Billy Napier. Like, I like him. Don't think he's a fit at Florida, but we'll get back to that later. So, NFL picks. You know what I'm saying? Me and, me and Mr. Logical was up in here playing with the play predictors, trying to figure this out. And, you know, and I got to tell you, the playoffpredictors.com, it is so fun. But you got to pay attention to what you're doing because yeah. I was sitting up there. You know, we came on here. We made these picks. You know, these are the teams that's going to win these divisions. And then when I got to the playoff predictor, you know, it was like, hold up. Like, oh, oh, you know what I got to yeah, do? I got to look at the schedule. I wasn't close. <laughs> looking at my own, looking at my own picks, I was like, how am I this far off? Like, I was, I was telling him earlier, I was like, I was going to redo it. But it's so absurd. I'm just gonna pick <laughs> it apart and then verbalize a better prediction. Cause like, I mean, like, I don't even want to like. I'll get into it. Matter of fact, I'll just set the. I'll preface it right now. My predictor, because I was just going week by week and just like reading through the matchups and thinking about okay, where's this game? All oh, these games are in Germany, one in London. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at that. I got Kansas City 17 and 0. I'm like that can't. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> that it's just. But like as I was looking at it week to week, is like, yeah, I don't think Cleveland's gonna beat them this week. And I was like, yeah, this is a big game with Cincinnati. But I'm like, I don't think Cincinnati's gonna get them. So like I just kept picking them, and then I got Atlanta 15 and two. I don't Burrow believe that now, happened. Now look, check this out. I don't know what the hell you were looking at. I don't know what you were smoking. I don't know what you were drinking. I don't know how the hell like. You got Atlanta to 15 and two. Like, even if they were playing college teams, they might not go 15 and two. <laughs> I got them five and one splitting the division. They don't, they, they're going to sweep. I got them sweeping uh, Carolina and uh, Tampa Bay and split with New Orleans. New Orleans wins their home game. Atlanta wins their home game. Of course, but like the that, House of Horrors. But, the, but I looked at, I mean, if you look at the schedule, you look at the matchups, they're playing. Like we talked about this before, they're playing teams with a first or second year quarterback or an unproven guy in like Baker Mayfield or guys on on the on the outskirts like Baker Mayfield. So I was like, there's realistically, if they don't turn the ball over and they can get to 21 to 24 points with the way they run the ball, you can eat up the clock. Now, if you Arthur Smith gets out there and tries to be something that he's not and as a play call and he's out there trying to call Andy Reid like you know, yeah, then Ritter's probably gonna throw, you know. Well, well one picks. of those games, well, one of those games I'm wondering about now, because I know you were big about like, yeah, you know, we got Jordan Love, you know, and like, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, Jordan Love might beat him. Like <laughs> listen, everybody, every quarterback that sat on the that's been on the team two or three years looks good in the preseason because they're only playing against man cover two cover three hardly any blitzes they're literally just standing there they're basically throwing routes against air when you're that advanced especially if you're a second (laughs) year guy and you're playing against the second string if you're like a third year guy who sat behind like uh oh you gotta protect your quarterback if you are a second or third year player and you're sitting behind Aaron Rodgers or you're sitting behind, like right now, if you're a guy behind Josh Allen who has talent or how Jalen Hurts sat behind Carson Wentz, you know, Jalen Hurts is a talented quarterback, the starter. Carson Wentz did have his ups and downs, but for the, you know, if you think about it, he was a talented guy. You know, he was leading the MVP running before he tore his ACL with the Eagles. 
I think he went 27 touchdowns and seven picks with the Colts the year before he went to uh, Washington. So you got a guy like Jalen who sits behind him. Yeah, Jalen looked great on the preseason game against Secretary. So Jordan Love sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years is like, yeah, that looks that looks good. But I can't see it translating to the season. But I'm just hating. Yeah, I was looking at this. And so the thing about making predictions is that if you're somebody like me, you know, try to live, breathe, and eat this stuff. And last year, you know, I was one of the people that went out there and picked Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl. And so as I was going through this exercise, I was like, come on, man. Like, am I really going to end up with Buffalo in the Super Bowl? And, and it was like one of those things where, where, like, I can't be mad at it because they are good enough to get to the Super Bowl, you know. But am I trying to overcorrect for what happened last year, you know, and – if I don't put them in the Super Bowl, am I punishing them because of what happened last year? And, and you know, and we were talking about this, like, is Buffalo a disappointment? Is the window shutting on Buffalo? You know, because, like, obviously Kansas City is their kryptonite. But then Cincinnati came in there and slapped them around last year, too. You know, Stephon Diggs upset about everything. Does he want to stay? Does he want to go? So, so like, there's a lot going on in Buffalo, a lot of turmoil that may not be a big deal, but, like, right now, but once we get later into the season, depending on how it's playing out, could some of those things, like, rear themselves back into the public eye? So, if you so, win, so if tough you win you'll be fine. If you, you win, win, you're, you're fine. Fine. But, but Buffalo's well, tough, also, man, because you, you lose a couple games and then it'll start coming out. So the first time I did it, the first time I did it, I had with Buffalo and Philly. And then there was a time where I almost ended up with Buffalo and Dallas, you know. But so all in all, all in all, you know, um, I think I like where I ended up. But the Ravens are just so hard for me because, like, you know, I picked them to win a division. You know, they got Odell Beckham. I like Zay Flowers. Lamar is back. Can Lamar stay healthy? You know, because in my early iterations of this, I had Buffalo and Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. You know, but then as I peeled it back, you know, I still like Baltimore to win the division, you know, but I'll just go through it. So in the AFC, um, my division champions, you know, Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore and Kansas City. And then my wild card, you know, was the Jets, the Bengals, and the Chargers. So my three wow. wild cards. So you got Buffalo, Tennessee, Kansas City. And, and then your wild cards are who? Are the Jets, the Bengals, and the Chargers. And um, I had Buffalo with home field advantage. So they got the first round by. So you got Buffalo as your one seed. Yeah, Buffalo is the one seed. So then, like, when I actually got to the playoffs, you know, um, I had I had Kansas City, you know, over the Chargers. I had the Bengals taking out Baltimore. And then the Jets take out Tennessee. Was was how I ended up 
So then I ended up with the AFC Championship game. Oh, the divisional um, round. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, the divisional round. You know, I had Cincinnati over uh over Kansas City. And then I had Buffalo over the Jets. So ended up with Buffalo and Cincinnati in my AFC championship game. <coughs> and then I got really confused because, I, like I said, I was in that moment where I'm like, am I picking Buffalo because of last year? Am I picking against Buffalo because of last year? You know, so I ended up just picking Cincinnati. You know, so I picked Cincinnati to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. You know, um, you know that was my first, you know, I just stuck with it because they say trust your gut, don't you change your answer or whatever. So I just stayed with Cincinnati, you know. Then in the NFC, you know, my division champions are Philly, Atlanta, Detroit, and Seattle. My wild card is San Francisco, Minnesota, and Dallas. And I really struggled because I tried to find a path for the Giants to get to the playoffs, and I just couldn't find it. And then, you know, um, Philly's your number one seed, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Philly's my number one seed. Yep, yep. So then, so I ended up with uh, Minnesota over Seattle, San Francisco over Detroit, and then Dallas over Atlanta. So you got led, all three road teams winning in the wild card round. Because that because experience is experience this is, is why the, this is why the predictor is ridiculous because it's like I know I don't know if that happens a lot, but if you look at but, it like. Dallas but it's the, but it's the experience though, like you know what I mean, like because if Desmond Ritter gets to the playoffs, you know I don't know how he's going to react in the moment. Uh, Detroit is Detroit, so even if they get there, you know it's baby steps, and then we go on against San Francisco. If my prediction holds true, and Jared Goff is going to have a nightmare of a day against them, and then uh, Minnesota and Seattle, it, it boils back down to experience. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just don't know if I could trust Geno Smith in a playoff game. You know, so it just it's just the way it ended up. So then I ended up with uh, Philly over Minnesota, Dallas finally beating San Francisco. And then in the NFC Championship game, I ended up with Philly over Dallas. So I got Philly and Cincinnati with Philly as the Super Bowl champion. Philly, Dallas. Philly, Cincy, Philly wins it all. So, couple of things, and this yeah. is like it's a couple of things. Um, I think there's a. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes has kind of changed this stat, but it was if the quarterback is getting as an individual, like 10% of your salary cap, like you just, that team doesn't make it or win the Super Bowl. Uh -huh. So if Cincinnati gives an extension to, I guess the extension wouldn't kick in until next year for Joe Burrow. And I'm guessing the same thing for. Right. Right. For, it wouldn't affect this for season. Yeah. So you, you, it won't affect the season. Buffalo will, because now they're paying Josh Allen, his Josh 260 Allen. Min, yeah. million. So 
Cincinnati, I don't know if the contract talks are going to impact their team as well as the calf injury. So it's like, how motivated is Joe Burrow to come back week one if his cap isn't 100% and he's not insured future cash from a very well, cheap organization? Like, there's high schools in, in Ohio that have indoor practice facilities and the Bengals don't. So just put that Cincinnati, perspective Cincinnati, on how much money they don't spend on their team. Cincinnati and Kansas City are the two teams AFC that I feel can go on the road and beat anybody. And Kansas City is just because they got Mahomes. That's it, literally. You know, whereas uh, Cincinnati, you know, like, if you could win in Burrowhead, you could win anywhere. So, so they, nonsense. So, they so won even a game. <laughs> Like, it's one thing if it's like, me. Like if Philly's constantly going down to Jerry World and beating Dallas or how San Francisco basically just owns the Rams and you come or up Atlanta with the nickname based off of that. Atlanta yeah. and Carolina, even to an extent for a stretch of years, whereas New Orleans just beating Atlanta, you know, almost all the time. Yeah. You can yeah. come up with something. But when you're Cincinnati and you just got good, like you gotta keep in mind, <laughs> Joe Burrow was the number one pick. When you had Andy Dalton, that quarterback, who was at some point in your previous tenure a Pro Bowl quarterback. So it wasn't like you had a terrible quarterback and then went like, I think they went like 2-15 and 15 or something. And that's how they ended up with the number one pick. It was like, yeah. you just got good. And his first year, he missed because you guys never fixed your offensive line. And he got his ACL to him, which, I mean, it could have happened any kind of way, but. Well, I just think that with his attitude, he just his team will always believe, you know, like he just kind of has that nonchalant. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, guys, we're going to do this. And everybody's like, for sure. Like if Josh Allen was like, if they were going into Arrowhead and Josh Allen was like, guys, we're going to win today. Like Stefan Diggs would be in the corner like. Yeah, now, if you don't throw me the ball. ball, yeah, like you know what I mean. <laughs> where, where it's like, like you know what I mean, like, like if Herbert went in there and was like, "We're going to win," you know, saying like somebody Austin Eckler going to be like, "Y'all going to well, if Stanley the ball? doesn't go for it on fourth down, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but they all have Burrow, a flaw. Yeah, Joe but Burrow, if Joe Burrow's like, yeah, like "We're going to go into here and we're going to win," not only does he have the credibility just because he's Joe Burrow, but he's also done it before. You know, he's winning to Arrowhead and won. So, and last year, I mean, they were, you know, neck and neck with the Chiefs. So, like, I think Cincinnati believes that they're the best team in the AFC. Like, but you know, does it they fade? believe that. Because we, it, like, right now, are we getting, are we getting predictor fatigue? Because essentially every, I want to say every pundit, any pundit that doesn't go with Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati, or any combination of the three in the AFC championship game is going to be like overanalyzed and like, yo, really? You don't have Cincinnati? Like if right. someone for whatever reason has Baltimore. Chargers in the Jets. Chargers, <laughs> Jets. It's going to be like, what? You don't have one of these three out of the 16 available right. teams? Like, yeah, like I don't have. No, one teams. of them's getting there. One of them's getting there. It's, it's, a, mean, it's a likelihood that None of them get there too. Like I grant, I know that's why I said. I mean, so yeah, the AFC is predictor. deep. The AFC is deep. But, but like, deep. But but, but I mean, history. You, you have to, to some degree, you have to ride Mahomes until the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? Like, 
what is it, five straight years now? And not only five straight years in they the AFC Championship the game, they've been at home. Yeah. So, so yeah. like, so like, you got to figure like the Arrowhead Invitational, as Nick Wright calls it. Shot the first yeah, there first you go. Break. So, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs fan. So, so that what that means. So like, <laughs> like having so after five years of it and calling it the Arrowhead Invitational is cool because you they've done it for five years. Call it right. Burrowhead. It was like, yo, y'all are literally you you didn't get the number one seed in, in your conference where you could have. So that's the right. thing is like if they if they, if they called it Burrowhead in the regular season after they were the number one seed last year and then they were going back and they were just constantly beating Kansas City and Arrowhead. I'd get it. But I'm like, fuck y'all, you just beat them a couple of times. One of them was at home and it was by three points. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is Burrowhead. Like, all right, cool. And then you went out there and they didn't really I felt like the game the game was a little bit Kansas City had it more like I felt like they dominated the game a little bit more. Just Joe Burrow just came, came through in a couple of fourth downs. I just were like Ooh, that's a ball game in a yeah the compressor and the compressor 39 to 20 yeah 39 28 louisville cardinal up on uh georgia tech who scored all 28 of their points in the second quarter had a 28 to 13 halftime lead had an 88.4 percent chance to win in the third quarter of this game and louisville so, said no some about those teams from georgia that just <laughs> It sealed the deal. Like I don't know what's going. I don't know if it's the except Bill for the Bulldogs. That's it. Well, I mean, well, a- a- Atlanta. Like they Atlanta had, they had, the, they had the game with a couple Jake of years Fromm. ago. No, back in the day, they had the game with Jake Fromm. Remember when they were putting out the memes that had Matt Ryan's head on Jake Fromm? Yeah, body? yeah. So it, yeah, it I remember. Happened. I remember the one year. Remember the one year they were playing uh, Batman, the SEC title game, and they ran a fake punt for no reason. Like they just ran a big punt, and they put Justin Fields like they had him lined up like as the punter or something, and like snapped him the balling. <laughs> it was like, okay, where, where's this going to go? You do that week two against Middle Tennessee State. You don't do that against Alabama. Yeah, Middle Tennessee State. By the way, play Bama tomorrow. But yeah, so uh, so yeah, so how'd your uh, so how'd your uh, matchups work out? Yeah, my matchups are ridiculous. Um, they don't <laughs> match, like they don't match what I predicted. Uh, even though I looked, like when I looked through the schedule, I looked at it. Just for some reason, I understand that the NFL is more of a, it's more balanced than I think my picks are. Right. Whereas, like you know, we talk about the point spread. I just have a feeling there's going to be a few teams. A few really bad teams this year, I think. Like, for instance, I'll start from the bottom. You know, just that, that general range. Right. I got the Denver and Las Vegas winning five and four games, respectfully. Uh, I don't. I guess I have no love for Tampa Bay because I got them one and sixteen. But like I said, I just yeah. was thinking like week to week. Yeah, I had like, Tampa I, like three and fourteen. Uh. Carolina, I got them losing. So, like, I think my predictor is really bad. I got uh, Arizona. So, like, just looking at my predictor and not really, like, thinking, like, in depth when I was, like, like making these picks. Right. Just kind of filling it out. I ended up, like I said, with a lot of bad teams. I got Houston, only three wins. 
Indianapolis only has five. Um, but my division winners, NFC, I got, or AFC, I have Kansas City, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Miami, and Jacksonville. Which didn't make any sense because I didn't pick any of them in my like my the original conversation we had. Well, I think you and, like, picked Jacksonville. Start. Yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah. I think Jacksonville's yeah. like the given. Uh, I got the <laughs> AFC North by far, I, I think, is going to be the best division. I have three of those teams with uh, double-digit wins. Uh, so, like, look at my uh, my actual. Oh, so you must you must got Cleveland like five and twelve or something. <laughs> I got Cleveland at nine and seven. I just have like a bunch of AFC teams. Like, like Denver's gonna give away a bunch of wins. Uh-huh. The Raiders are gonna give up a bunch of wins. Yeah, Denver. Uh, Denver is I the hardest. Denver... Nine and eight. Denver and like, Miami are the hardest teams for me. Yeah, Denver and Miami are the hardest teams for me. Yeah, I got Miami going 10 and 7. Uh, so as it sits right now, write it out. So number one seed, I got Kansas City. My two seed is Pittsburgh. I'm gonna leave it just because you know no Miami. <laughs> Three is Miami. Four is Jacksonville. And my wild card. Five is the Chargers. Then touchdown yellow jackets. Uh-huh. Too little too late. Uh Cincinnati and seven C Baltimore. So as okay. it sits, so that's two versus six. That's four versus Pittsburgh. Five. Yeah, Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati. Well, yeah, it'd be two and seven, yeah. Oh, two and seven. So, yeah, that's Baltimore. Then three and five. That's Miami. Three and six. So three and six. Yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, three and six, and then four and five. Yeah. And then Jacksonville and the Chargers rematch. Jacksonville winning that game. Cincinnati beating the Chargers. No love. Neither one of us got the love for Justin Herbert. Or uh, Matt, Miami. What the hell? I keep messing this up. Five. Three and five. So Miami. I got Miami beating the Chargers. And Baltimore beating Cincinnati. Yeah, that's funny because Miami and the Chargers play week one. Uh, so then... We'll go to NFC before I get to the rest of the AFC. Oh, I'll finish the AFC playoffs out. So that gives you, that gives me Miami, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Kansas City. So one versus the lowest seed. Yeah. So Kansas City beating Cincinnati again. And then Miami, Jacksonville. I'm gonna take Jacksonville in that. So Jacksonville Ooh, makes that's a good game. And then that's Kansas City like winning the AFC Championship. Which is, yeah, naturally, naturally. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah, Nick and Wright would be so proud of you right now. Up, be a million dollars if uh, if I made this bet. So if I go NFC, <laughs> if I just look at the NFC and make my little column here. Like right, Jordan Tech setting up for the onside kick, y'all. 39 to 34 with a minute seven left. All right, I am I'm behind you. They haven't they haven't kicked it yet, so I'm a little behind you. Well, so uh, yeah, one. they still haven't. Yeah. Go ahead. Then I got number two is San Francisco. Three is Philly. Four. Detroit, five, six, and seven. Five is Dallas. Six is New Orleans. Seven, Seattle. So two from the south. Yeah, because you, you're hey, going to you're, you're <laughs> get these, you know, it's just, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Like it's make this right. Well, you know, I was actually listening to a I was listening to the ringer earlier, and they had one of the guys had two from the south, but he had Atlanta and Carolina. I don't know how they get how you get Carolina with the, the rookie quarterback and no weapons. And that offensive line. Like even even with a solid offensive line, is like you're I mean, not gonna win 14-13. You you don't get me you, wrong. I like Bryce Young, so I would like to see it, but I don't see it. Oh, yeah, I don't see right. it either. Onside kick. And it looks like Louisville recovers the onside kick. So take some knees, wrap this up, and get ready for Murray State, the juggernaut Murray State racers. So my Tell NFC kick. championship game is Atlanta versus Philly. Atlanta <laughs> winning. Uh, oh, my goodness. Just because I'm a fan, I got Atlanta winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. If that happens. I'm going with that, it. If, I'm going with if, it. If, 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 we get, if we get Atlanta and Philly in the NFC Championship game and Atlanta wins, you know, I will I will wear a Desmond Ritter jersey. <laughs> nah, we, it's not going to be any room on the bandwagon. No, I'm not going to. It's not going to be a bandwagon. I'm just going to. No, he gives you as a punishment. I'm just going to have to give him some props. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I might I might have to get another five uh, Drake London jerseys because my son wears five now for his high school football. So I might, I might have to just get the five. That way I'm wearing the five to so, the games. So so what teams So what teams were the hardest for you? Like like uh, the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Like which ones were the hardest ones for you? I have my 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 difficulty comes down to I think I'm looking a little bit too much into what their season outside of the the white lines is gonna look like. You know, are the Rams gonna have all of their players? Are they gonna are they gonna just abandon the Super Bowl team and and I trade? They gonna quit they halfway can. during the season. <laughs> is McVay so it's at the trade deadline. For a lot of teams I have, granted, it's it's ridiculous to have these this many teams with single digit wins. It's like I don't think there's gonna be this many teams with this many losses. Uh, but like Carolina, Tampa Bay, I just think Carolina, they don't have any 
weapons that makes a team say we need to do xyz defensively versus we need to line up and just play defense keep this five foot nine quarterback in the pocket and because there's like i said there's no weapons on the outside the running game threat isn't that is loses this luster when there's no one to get the ball out to even if you want to get it out quick he's too small to just drop back and let it fly like uh josh allen at six five can seal the line you know aaron yeah, Rodgers, everybody has three can kind of see it quickly you know you got Bryce Young, man, yo, know, realistically, yo, know, he's probably five ten and a half. Yeah, not everybody could be Dan Marino, right? They just kind of come out the gate. Yeah, you got to be just Dan be, Marino. It'd be the goat. You can't be the you goat, be right? Big. <laughs> you got to be big. You know what I mean, shout out to Dan you Marino. Know, yeah, I uh, for me, it was uh, it was it was Denver. The, Denver was the hard team for me because we talk about it all the time. You know, a big Sean Payton guy like everybody else. But anything over Hackett has to be an upgrade. And they were in so many games last year that if they would have just scored another touchdown, you know, they're probably sitting at 10 and 7, 11 and 6. And they're in the playoffs. I just, I just don't believe Sean Payton's impact is, like I said, a lot, a lot of my decision isn't really wasn't always made on X's and O's. It's a lot of it is based off of, like, I don't I just think the ego that he's already shown. It's like, I'm not even, like, being, you know, whatever about it. He literally said in an interview on the record, oh, yeah, everything last year was terrible. The coach that was here last year did the worst job. Even though that same coach was the head coach of a, a team that had a really good defense, right. and they moved a couple of those pieces, so it's like, Having that level of arrogance, I think, is gonna or is already probably rub people the wrong way because he talked about the the GM too. It was like yeah. everybody involved here before me was terrible. I'm gonna be the one that keeps all this together, and I think he knows that because he has so much money in his contract that he's like, listen, I can say whatever I want, and if you fire me, I got that new money. <laughs> well, well, like you know, I. Well, that was my thinking, too, was that their defense isn't going to be as good as it was last year. So, like, for what improvement their offense makes, their defense might take that much of a step back as well. You know, for Miami, it was just more like, I can't project health, but it's like, where where's Tua? You know, how is this season going to pan out? You know, is he going to be there? For the whole season, you know, um, and in Miami, just seems like Mike McDaniel. He he has that Shanahan syndrome where he gets in his own way, tries to get too cute at moments, or you know, just loses focus a lot because he's uber focused on something else. And when I looked at the Rams, you know, I was like, well, are they going to trade Cooper Cup? You know, at at the midseason deadline, like, is it time? I think like, they're I think they're gonna purge that team. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Matthew you Stafford know? elbows gonna flare up. He's gonna be done. Not like I'm not trying to wish injury. I'm just saying, just like right, 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 right. A right. year where you, if Philip Rivers played in the AFC Championship game with no ACL, just right. the biggest knee brace I've ever seen on a quarterback. Because <laughs> winning that game meant. We're in the Super Bowl. 
Right. Matthew Stafford wakes up Tuesday morning and they're one and six, and that elbow is stinging. Is he want to go? Does he want to get treatment to come back at with the potential of being two and seven the following Monday morning? I mean, yeah. like, like does does that because I'm pretty sure winning does or what you have on the line will drive you to play. And it's going to be some teams where like Tampa Bay, after a few weeks of you just being mediocre, it's like, okay, so what's the point of keeping Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield? Neither yeah. one of you are going to do us any good. Houston, they're, they're, they can lose some games, but they have young pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina, same thing, young pieces. Uh, like I'm trying to think, like the Raiders. The Raiders are like, what's the point? I mean, I won't say what's the point because I know they're going to play, but right, right, I know right, Mark right. Davis loves Josh McDaniels, but are you going to get to the realization that Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach? When does mm-hmm. when does that happen? And does that – do you bench Jimmy Garoppolo? Does Jim Garoppolo's foot – you know, do you risk it to go back out in the field and potentially be three and six after this game because you're two and six now? So it's just all those kind of decisions, and that's what I kind of base it off of. Same thing with uh, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Yeah, and, and uh are you benching Russell Wilson, someone who's getting paid two hundred sixty million, two hundred fifty-five million dollars that you gave up five picks for? Because you you're know, getting twenty five. So I don't think I don't think Hackett could do that, but you know, Peyton has the cachet to do that. You know, whether he will or not is a whole different question. But yeah, listen, uh, if I'm the owner, I'm Condoleezza Rice and I'm part of that ownership group, and I'm paying you twenty something million, and I'm paying this other guy forty. Y'all better make music. It ain't his fault. It's your <laughs> fault. But this sixty-five million dollars that I'm shelling out this year, I need. I need a win for every five million dollars I'm shelling out. So yeah. I need thirteen wins. Because I mean, that's <laughs> what you expect when you put that much money on the line. So it can't be a situation where he's just like, "Oh, I'm going with the what backup you're gonna go with." And if the backup isn't, if you don't have a backup that's definitively better than your starter. And your starters making that much money, you can't bench them. So do do they right. just suffer through games? Do they go on right. a? Do they just go one and five in division? And then you know, uh, the Raiders or something. You know, Minnesota was tough for me too, just because of all their close games last year and not knowing how elite they are. Like I know they have Justin Jefferson and everything, but they're two sides of the ball. You know, they don't have Dalvin Cook. So it was hard for me to look at them. It was hard for me to look at the Giants just because I don't know why. And, and it's not because they're an NFC East rival. But for some reason, I just can't help when I look at the Giants but to see a lot of me pretty. Like, I just, like, and I don't know if it's just me looking at Daniel Jones a certain way, you know. But, you know, I think losing Julian Love is going to hurt them, you know. Um, I think that. I like Jalen Hyatt as a receiver, but I don't necessarily like the rest of their receivers. You know, our defense is going to be able to key in on safety. Is he going to be a diva? Because you know he he switched from eighty four to thirteen. Oh yeah, is that he too. Gonna, is, is he gonna? Is he gonna walk gonna around? Turn into his idol. because every, <laughs> everyone's saying that the Giants don't have an elite wide receiver core. Does that galvanize the wide receiver room? Or does it turn someone into a little bit more of a selfish player? 
Like I said, even if it, of, even if it does galvanize them, been, been outside of the like the well, well the, even the, if it does galvanize them, even if it does galvanize them inside the lines, that dude need to be able to play better. I mean, like like you said, he had a top. I he played he like a top. I no, I think he can too. But 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 it's one of those things. Whereas, like we said about the Chiefs, like it's the Chiefs until somebody does something about it. Yeah. Like this is how I look at Daniel Jones until he does something about it. He has Darren Waller, so he has. He if, does have Darren Waller. If, That's if a hell of a safety out, get. Get like, listen, leave the deep routes to the wide receivers. Give them space on the back end. Work that underneath underneath stuff with Darren Waller. But I saw a game with Derek Carr targeted Darren Waller twenty times. It's like you can twenty. <laughs> Like 20 times in your tight end, it's like I right. get it. He's a top talent, but he's matched up with a safety or corner. At, after like target number 10, the defense is basically okay, you're not throwing at anybody else. Right. We are just going to bracket this guy. And does that frustrate a guy who, you know, wide receivers are known to be divas because they need it, the ball. It, they need the ball to shine. They need those yards. And it's, it's not, it's the team doesn't really need them to get the ball. They need the ball as individuals. The team needs anyone to catch the ball that's open. You can have six wide receivers that all have 700 yards receiving and none of them get their 1,000-yard bonus, and you can have a great season. Right. As an individual player, you're like, I need 1,000 yards for this XYZ bonus, so I need 1,000 yards to get this signature shoe. I need 1,000 yards or this many touchdowns to get you know this X amount of highlights to go viral, whatever the case may be. But if you're a team like, yo, I got seven wide receivers, I got 700 yards receiving – I'm good to go. I'm good with that. I'm good right. with that because I'm moving the ball. So and, you know, and you know I, a lot of my a lot of my thinking was the things outside of the 120 yard rectangle that they play football in. Well, you know, finally, I hate teams like Pittsburgh. You know, those teams that are right in the middle. You know, because I felt like I don't know, like you ended up with them as like the two seed, but like when I was going through it, it was like. I felt like I was picking them to win games that they shouldn't win, and I was picking them to lose games that they should that they shouldn't lose. But it's because they're young, like you know what I mean. And it's because, so, so it was like, okay, I got you beating San Francisco, you know what I mean. But you lose to the Rams, though, like you know what I mean. Like it's just one of those things where, like, you're a young team, and week to week, Kenny Pickett, like he's still in that zone where he's getting better. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. But he's still in that zone where he's ascending. So there's going to be like downfalls as well. There's going to be games. But does he you play shake your like? Head. Does he play like a six-year guy? Because that's his sixth year playing in that stadium. So that environment, the weather, the wind, the sunlight, right. whatever, all the elements that are involved with playing in Pittsburgh. Like, like I know the locker room, I know the building, I know the people before right. I got here. So is his second year more like a third year vet? You know, is he right? Because he looked really comfortable. I mean, if you look at some of his highlights, like granted they weren't big, but the latter part of the year they looked really comfortable. They got TJ Watt back. They won some games. And you mentioned the stat last week of like when he's on the. I think they were like eight and two with them, and yeah, it was something crazy. They one in ten without him. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's like you know, basically it's... takes away half the field, like the way like an old cornerback would. 
And and uh, and you know, but the one thing that I do know is that as long as they have Mike Tomlin, they'll be all right. You know, and Mike, we trust. Yeah, I saw I saw something today that they took Terry Bradshaw, the fifth pick or something like that, and they haven't had a top five pick in fifty three years. That's crazy. Like, that's how good of a think about how many times Arizona's drafted. They're gonna draft number one for. For Kyler Murray, the Pats a few years ago, they're gonna probably be number one or number two again next this next coming season. I think the year they had Matt Liner, they were top ten. They drafted Josh Rose, and they were like top ten. So they're just always <laughs> in the top ten. Always the around there, like, yeah. Always around there. Carolina's always up there. Atlanta has a, a bad run to be up there. Detroit's always up there. Cincinnati had a run where they're just. You know, after the Andy Dalton years or before the Andy Dalton years, well, like in between the Carson, but they would be up there always drafting, hence how they got Carson Palmer because he was the number one overall pick. So it's like, how's yep. the trophy winner? So it just it seems like it happens a lot for these other teams with the stability that they have in the organization. I think Steelers have had three coaches in the last 50 years. Yeah. Chuck Knox, or Chuck Noel. Chuck Noel, Bill Cowher. Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. How so, many coaches um, has Baker Mayfield had? Whew. Right? Like in Cleveland, he had three. Three? Four. Yeah. Four. Was it four? Yeah, Hugh Jackson. Then Stefanski. Uh, Stefanski. What was the other guy they had in the middle that was there terrible? Was somebody in between. Uh, Kitchens. Yeah. Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens, uh, yeah. Freddie Kitchens. So yeah. then Stefanski. And then he goes to Carolina. Sean McVay. Sean McVay and. and LA and now he's down to top bowls and inevitably we're predicting there's gonna be another coach. So one, two, right. three, four, five, six, seven. That's like eight. seven. So yeah, eight. we we're wow. predicting that he's gonna be on eight head coaches, whereas yeah, still his organization. I mean, granted, he moved around, but yeah, that, that's like that's more coaches than for years he's in the league, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, but that's like the problem that a lot of uh teams have and that's why it was hard to predict like everybody wants to pick Denver and I get it but you have to think about why is Sean Payton there Sean Payton's not there because you know Dan Reeves coached up until last year and retired and then Sean Payton moved up he's there because they fired a guy after 11 games last year who had no idea what he was doing who they hired because they thought they were gonna get Aaron Rodgers and they end up with Russell Wilson so like they made poor decisions, hence why the team got sold. <laughs> so they made poor yeah. decisions, and then that's how they end up with Sean Payton. Or when people talk about, oh, Bryce Young and the Carolina's going to be in this position in, in a playoff position or playoff run. Like, how they get the best quarterback in the draft? Oh, because they, granted, yeah, they traded up, but they were already and they're already a bad team. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, so Houston, bad teams. Like, why did you need and why did you need to trade up to get this quarterback? Because you were a bad right. team. So all of a sudden, you just get this one player after you give up assets, and then that translates to wins. So that's that's the part where I was trying to be like a little bit more realistic. Like Tennessee, I think Tennessee has too many quarterbacks, and all of them have, I would say, enough talent for like a better word to play. Right. And I don't right. think the relationship between coach and any of the three quarterbacks is solid because we've you've drafted quarterbacks two years in a row, and people say quarterbacks. So, most so since we uh, well, since we talked all this stuff about coaches, you know, saying uh, you got anybody for that you're looking at for coach of the year? 
coach of the year, coach of the year, who who could do something? Dan Campbell. Okay. Dan Campbell, Detroit winning Detroit wins the NFC North, Dan Campbell. Uh, but Kevin O'Connell won the NFC North last year and didn't even get considered for coach of the year. Like wasn't even what in in the documentary quarterback on Netflix, Kirk Cutton said, like, how was it that because he, he said he got a call like late? Like yeah, on, and they went 13 on, and four. He's like, We went 13 and four. We had the biggest comeback. We had one of the best. He's like, our wide receiver had one of the best plays of the year, and our coach is not even considered for coach of the year. Right. So, like the NFL and the awards are they're, you know, they're gonna have to have a little brainstorming session to figure that out. But I'll say Dan Campbell will get a shot. Uh, Sean Payton's turnaround would mean like 11 wins in Detroit. Uh-huh. And Russ looks like Russ under Pete Carroll. I think that would get him consideration. Uh, if Houston just messes around, get a triple-double, and they knock down you know, seven or eight wins, I think D'Amico Ryan's going to get consideration. Um, not Frank Wright because he's a traveling coach in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, if if Atlanta, like Grant, yes, I'm sticking with my Atlanta pick just because it's like I do it every year. At at the week eight, we'll make a new one, and I'll be honest. If we're like two and six, I'm like all right, they're probably not going to win Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, but if Arthur Smith, if Atlanta is, you know, running <laughs> off 10, 11, 12 wins. Win at NFC South, I think he'll get some consideration because he'll have a young quarterback, a team that Atlanta had a nice little run with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's first five or six years, you know, it was they were averaging ten wins a year, playoff appearances. Right. You know, he won an MVP, so it's you know they were in NFC Championship games, a couple of the, couple of those trips. So it wasn't like it wasn't like Atlanta's been at the bottom forever, but for the last you know four or five years, post. Super Bowl, and then the year they made the playoffs after that, they've been like a subpar mediocre team for this many years, a couple of different coaches. Um, I think a guy who should get consideration for coach here but won't get it is a uh, good old Mike McCarthy down in Dallas. Because mm-hmm. if you think if you're looking at Dallas right now, my predictor has them going 11 and 5. So that means Mike McCarthy's three years in Dallas, they will be <laughs> 35 and 15. Yeah, nice right. was like so. But those, yeah, those, so I'm those, going. Those are a few picks. My my pick is uh, going to be Pete Carroll. You know, um, I think winning the West will do the job for him. Like I think Detroit, like we picked them both. We both picked them to win the division, but I still have them around that like seven, that ten and seven area. You know, um, I, I don't agree think with the record matters with Detroit, though. I think the fact that maybe it's just the fact that they're Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree. Big, yeah. yeah, I agree with Dallas. You know, obviously, you have to consider Andy Reid or Sirianni if they were to go nah. eight and three or fifteen and two. You know, they just won't. off of record alone, they would have uh, they, they done it last year. They didn't do it with Sirianni I'll, last year. Outside of that, you know, if the Dolphins. You know, uh, make a run. You know, if the Dolphins could get to 11 wins, you know, maybe Mike McDaniel gets some consideration. Do you have um, too much talent, though? You got to have a story. They do. They do, but, but I mean, but, but they also didn't make the playoffs last year, you know. Uh, or, I mean, they made the playoffs last year, but 
Tua was hurt in a bunch of games last year. So, you know, I don't know. You know, um, I think if they win 11 games, he could get some consideration. But I'm going to stick with Pete Curl. You know, um, what about MVP? Uh, you mean the most viable quarterback? Uh, MVQP. Yep. Uh, That's MVQB. exactly what I mean. Uh, I'm honestly, it's it's the same. I think coach of the year and coach of the year MVP and comeback player of the year should not have the same kind of like criteria. But it, uh-huh. it seems to have that. It seems like the comeback player of the year is the in, it encapsulates your off the field, whatever, whatever happened to you, injured. Uh, you got cut, you've been passed around, whatever happened to you off the field, and then you persevere on the field, comeback player of the year. The right. MVP should simply be like, how well are you playing compared to everybody else, not just, you know, your position. So if you add that to the quarterback, it's going to be a guy like, they already set the narrative with Aaron Rodgers turning the Jets around because they haven't been anything relevant Really, since Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan got them back-to-back AFC Championship games, and even before then, their only Super Bowl victory is a guarantee with Joe Namath front up the field with his finger. So you had this, this you have families because I told, like I said, living in the Northeast, Jet fans. There, it's a family thing. Gary V is a Jet fan. He's like that's how he learned English when he came to the states. So it's like you just have such this, this long history of people being Jet fans that if he does well and the New York media is pumping everything out. That'll drive the narrative. Patrick Mahomes, he had 50 touchdowns his first year as a starter with MVP. And then people started comparing his numbers to like his 50 touchdown gear and not compared to other people he's playing against. So that just kind of takes away from the whole thing. So Nas ain't never make another Illmatic. You can't. Like, you can't. That's, it's, that's it's the way people look at it. It's unfair, and, but that's the way people look at it. Yeah. So you have. So your MVP, I wanna, I wanna say running backs. I wanna say I wanna give Chris McCaffrey some some love because I think they're gonna lean on him in San Francisco. I always want to give Derrick Henry As some always, love. The question I want to give Tyreek Hill some love. I want to give Tyreek Hill some love because Tua has to throw it up to somebody. I want to give Travis Kelsey some love because he is going to be mm-hmm. the the offense. He's gonna be the third and seven. I got to get it to a guy. But realistically, it's going to be a quarterback. Mahomes is obvious. Joe Burrow is going to be up there. For some reason, people love giving Josh Allen this extra love when it's like a lot of this shit's poor decision making. It's like he wouldn't have to run if he just threw the ball. If he threw well, see, Josh Allen, picks, he wouldn't have to scramble. See, Josh Allen is my pick. And I think that if they if they can, if they could find a way, I feel like they would try to find a way to get it to Justin Herbert if they could. You know what I mean? Like I really think they would try to give it to Justin Herbert, but, uh, but but yeah, I think I think Josh Allen, like this, in, in my eyes, this is Buffalo's last chance. This is the last stand. You know, uh, I didn't pick them to win the Super Bowl or anything, but I think this is just that season where they just come out and, you know, we talked what about it. Numbers like, have to be what? Well, what do his numbers have to be? You think for him to be MVP, like? I would say passing, I would say I would say for Josh Allen, if he had 42-43 touchdown passes, you know, with eight or nine rushing touchdowns, 
You know, so you he wants to get Heisman Trophy numbers. Hey, I'm just saying. Like when I, so when I look back at Cam Newton, when I look back at Cam Newton, if I remember correctly, I think he had 35 passing and 10 rushing. Um, you know, but but Josh Allen, like you said, he's going up against Mahomes. He's going up against Burrow. So like, it has to be something definitive. You know of this is why we're giving this person this MVP. And with the way that if if they could do anything resembling running the ball, it makes his life easier to be able to play in that way. So, like, right now, I feel like he's just trying to do too much, you know. And he already has built cachet because, I mean, he finished third in MVP this year, this past season. So, I mean, he's already yeah. on the radar. You know, so I, I I don't think that he needs to have a Mahomes MVP year, like the, the 50 touchdown year that Mahomes had, but probably somewhere near it. All right. I'm you know, to but, find but an I, article that has like the stats along with it right now. I'll get it. You know, so yeah, I'll keep going. And then I, uh, I got B. John Robinson as the Office of Rookie of the Year. You know, I think he's going to come like in and be the. I think he's going to be the focal point of Atlanta's offense. So there's guys that I like, like Zach Charbonnet, but he's behind Kenneth Walker the third. You know, um, I like Jalen Hyatt from the Giants, but I just don't know if Danny's going to have the numbers that's going to give him the numbers as a wide receiver to win that kind of award. You know, and then my defensive rookie of the year, you know, I guess I kind of went chalk with it, but I'm taking Will Anderson for that one. I was thinking yeah, the same. Like, yeah, that's my guy, man. Like, I, I love that dude. Like, he should be a commander one day. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, especially since Chase Young is probably going to miss week one, and you know, as they say, or longer. So you know. Yeah, he's out of there too. He's gonna be. In, he's gonna be a nice. Uh, hey, Atlanta. I know y'all got extra fifth round pick. Yeah, but are we going? To, is Nick Bosa going to be? You know, are they going to work that out? They'll work it out. They'll work it out it's because crazy. when they start running uh, inside zone runs to his side and there's nobody there to make that tackle, or the backup guy, San Francisco's defense is legit. But it's like yeah. you have an elite. When you have an elite guy at their position, I know it's hard. It's I won't say it's easy to replace because the people there are fine. Like you're gonna find a defensive end that's built like right. your guy that that you lost. Like I mean, granted, unless you have an anomaly like Jadavian Clowney, who's like six five, two seventy five, whatever. For the most part, you're gonna find another guy. They might not be able to do what your other guy does, but they'll be sturdy enough to where your defense won't take that much of a hit. But after All a I couple of games where you're just like, man, Nick would have made that play. That, All that I know checks. is Kansas City. Kansas they, City better stop playing. Yeah, if they if they can't stop if they can't stop anything third and six, and people just run around the middle on third downs, or they don't have any sacks or any quarterback pressures, and those young cornerbacks are out there just flailing at passes because everything's getting through, then yeah, they'll call Christian like, listen, man, we'll give you twenty nine million over four years. We'll guarantee seventy five percent of it. Like they're gonna have yeah, to do something. Yeah, real quick with the Mahomes thing. And this is why, like I say, the narrative off the field and everything else drives the uh, the voting even more. This is These are Mahomes' stats 
uh, last year. He led the NFL with 5,250 yards passing, 41 touchdowns, and a QBR on a scale of 0 to 100 at 77.5, yeah. yeah. while leading the Chiefs to a 14-3 record. And he set the NFL record with 5,614 total yards on the season. He mm-hmm. didn't get a unanimous MVP. Joe Burrow got a, a first place vote. No, uh, Jalen Hurts got a first place vote. Josh Allen got a first place vote. Yeah, last I mean last year it was pretty much a two man race for the most part. It was just those two, Hurts and Mahomes. Yeah. It was. So, I mean, to me, it Josh was obviously Allen Mahomes. First, it was obviously Mahomes. You can't. You know, you can't but, argue. But, but I, you can't argue against even if those other guys' numbers were close. His numbers were so much more, you know, just impactful. And it just so that's that's the problem. So like, if he doesn't, if he throws, if Mahomes goes out there this year, he has to throw forty-four touchdowns mm-hmm. with less like because Juju Smith-Schuster is gone. I know Juju isn't like this top-notch wide receiver. He's always been a good number two. But he was experienced, mm-hmm. and that he's gone. Now you have, yeah, you have some wide receivers that you know got their hoisted trophy. You know, Sky Moore caught a touchdown, then Tony caught a touchdown, and the guys got to make plays in the Super Bowl. But they're still young, right? You know, and then they got the guy James from the Giants. We got Stanford Hawaii highlights. Oh, that game yeah. just started. I'll probably, I'll probably put that on here in a second. So, like, yeah, the MVP. Uh, I like, I like your defensive. I like your offensive rookie of the year pick, B. John Robinson. Uh, I think people are gonna go are going a little nuts with some of the the hyperbolic stretches that they're going with. It's like I get it. He's gonna be good. Atlanta was good at running the ball last year, but the reason Atlanta was good at running the ball last year is because they couldn't throw the ball a lot because Marcus Mariota was not. He's not a slice and dice quarterback. He right. is a dink and dunk quarterback. He is. That's why that's why I think he I think he's smart because he's going to teams like he went to the Raiders to, you know, because that was his shot. Go play behind Derek Carr. And, you know, Derek Carr's he threw some deep shots, but for the most part, a lot of Hunter Renfro, a lot of Darren Waller, a lot of, you know, shallow routes. Then he went to Atlanta where he could be the man because they drafted a, a rookie. He's like, okay, I got a chance to start. I can I can beat out this rookie because I know what defenses do in AFC and NFC. Right. And then now he's in Philly. So it's like, okay, I can do what Jalen Hurts does. Maybe not to that level. He might not be as strong as Jalen. I know he's he's a little bigger. I think he's Marcus close to like six four, six five. But he's like, okay, I can do what Jalen does. So Jalen does go down. You're not if he goes to Kansas City, like Blaine Gabbert can't do what Patrick Mahomes does. Right. Blaine was better off probably trying to stay in Tampa Bay and winning that starting job. But right. going trying to back up my home it's probably not a good it's probably not a good opportunity for you. But I think Marcus took a shot and he's in uh in Philly. Uh and that and like I said, that's why like the B. John Robinson getting a lot of yards. I know Kadero Patterson's over 30, maybe they'll limit his touches, but you got a playmaker who wants the ball. He may not want to be hurt, but he still is gonna mm-hmm. want the ball. Defensive right. rookie of the year, that's a pretty, pretty easy pick. 
uh, Will Anderson because D'Amico Ryans is going to probably put him in so many crazy positions to make different plays. A la what Aiden Hutchinson did when he made like the interception on Justin Fields. He was like 12 yards down the field at the end of the half or something crazy. So I think he has that kind of athleticism. So they'll put him in places where he'll probably get a pick six. He'll definitely get a forced fumble, scoop and score. Um, you know, so I think he'll have major impact and he'll, and you'll expect it. You're expecting to do it. And then when he does it, you're like, see, that's why he's a rookie of the year. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get a number one pick like your WN Clowney and you expect him to do the things he did in college. And he does like good things. Like Jadavion Clowney's had a good career. I think he just never had that highlight that he had against Michigan. He's right. never had that highlight in NFL. I don't recall a pick six. I don't recall like a big strip sack. I don't recall a big playoff impact play, but he's been there making good plays his whole career. Just He just hasn't had that kind of level of impact where I think we'll, well, so, we'll have that and then he'll, he'll win the award. Oh, so you mean Michigan like national champion? Yo, out on the limb. You heard it here yeah. first. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to know, are you picking Georgia to do the unthinkable? A three-peat. And I think the reason the three-peat is so difficult is because if we look back on the last, like, 20 years, teams that won the national championship, their quarterback was normally pretty dynamic. Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, uh, I mean, Jameis, Jameis, Marcus Mariota didn't win, but he was, you know, he was competing, Cordell Jones. So a lot Mm -hmm. of these guys don't play for, they they don't play for three years. So the quarterback, having the elite quarterback coupled with a really, really good team puts you over the top. Whereas Georgia luckily just had a, didn't have an elite quarterback. They just had, an advantage at quarterback because he was four or five years older than most of the defenders that he was trying to beat with his eyes four or five, six years of college going and getting it out of the mud. So he wasn't going to leave after one good year. Right. So like, I think that's, that's the, that's why the three P probably hasn't happened because most of those guys go. Well, not only that, but it's, it's, but it's also hard to three P when one loss can eliminate you. You know, like so, so like you know, a lot of times these teams like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson at Clemson, you know, they were going, you know, undefeated, so they just won all their games. You know, like you know, sometimes like unless you're in the SEC, sometimes once you lose a game, it's hard for you to get back into the mix. While we only got four teams, if you're in the Big Twelve from the time that this playoff started until you were fifth. Every year, if you had one loss and they were just waiting to see if Big Ten Penn State or Big Ten Ohio State or Big Ten Michigan was going to win that championship game and they're going to leapfrog you every yeah. year. So yeah, that's definitely very well, tough. I mean, yeah, so so like Lincoln Riley got in a few times. And that's the problem with college football in general is that from year to year, like in the NFL, you have tangible things, you know, like. If you're Kansas City and you just won the Super Bowl, and then hypothetically you go out and get Stephon Gilmore, then it's like, yo, Kansas City fixed a weakness right there, and they were already the champion. So you could see Kansas City like making a move again. 
Whereas in college football, these dudes come and go, but we still be like, well, hey, Alabama got Nick Saban, so like they're still a contender, like even though Bryce Young is gone. You know, like you look at Georgia, you just mentioned Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck coming in now that none of us have seen play since high school. Yo, do like, they have the greatest name quarterbacks in uh, Georgia? What? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, Georgia will be fine, you know, or like we, so we use history in college football to predict the next season. So, like, you know, your top three, top four is always going to be the teams that we know it's going to be Ohio State, it's going to be Michigan, it's going to be whoever. But at some point, not to be the illogical, but at some point, it just doesn't work for a year, you know, or two years. Like it just doesn't work anymore because now you got to get that guy some experience and it will work once he gets the experience because you still got five stars everywhere else. But sometimes there's just a year where it doesn't work. That depends on how, that depends on how you buttered your bread as far as like your, your scheme offensively and defensively. Georgia never really pegged me as a team that threw the ball around a lot. So right. having Stetson Bennett throw it, you know, 25, 26 times a game wasn't outrageous because they were known Nick Chubb, uh, Sony Michelle, No Sean Marino, Todd Gurley, James just Cook. Constantly- James Cook, just just run the ball, run the ball, play defense. I mean, you got the Philadelphia Bulldogs up here in Pennsylvania. Just just playing good, hard, solid defense, big boys up front. And you you can win. So you can I think your lack of a quarterback in college football doesn't kill you because if you're especially if you're a top team, if you're right, Georgia, right, uh Bama, Clemson kind of hurts because they don't have the elite NFL talent on their defensive side of the ball year in and year out, the way basically SEC does. So they, they have that, or, you know, you have the Big Ten. So some of these schools just have elite playmakers defensively. That's got, They're going to make a play. They're going to get you a short field. You're going to get the ball at the 35. You're going to get the ball at midfield. You're going to get a block punt. You're going to force a, You're going to force multiple punts throughout the game where your quarterback can get in the groove and, and get, get an opportunity to get your team some points. So I think that's the kicker. That's how these teams can – you can just say, well, we got Georgia still going back because they'll just rely a little less on their quarterback early on. And then as the year goes on, you know, especially if they're still undefeated, then they'll get more and more confidence. Well, but, Georgia yeah, definitely – Georgia definitely has the schedule to get back. You know, um, they play South Carolina week three. You know, so unless Spencer Rattler becomes, you know, that quarterback that we knew him to be in high school or that he played as towards the end of last season, Georgia should get through that. And then they're probably on cruise control until they go to Knoxville. Now, they do go to Jordan Hare in between that down in Auburn. So that could be a tough game just from the rivalry aspect. But when you just look at Georgia's schedule, there's a lot to be desired because like when you look at Alabama, for example, you know, they play LSU, of course, because they're in the same division. They go to AM, you know, they play Ole Miss. But then they also got Texas out of conference. Like LSU plays those teams and they got Florida State this week. You know, like Georgia doesn't have that marquee 
out-of-conference matchup on top of being in the weaker division of the SEC. So they, they just have an easier path. So you mentioned Florida State, LSU. So as you – because you have Michigan in your national championship, which, you know, I like getting the bottom line up front. We call it the bluff when you put in an email. The bottom yeah. line up front, just let me know. Yeah, yeah. So – Throughout throughout the year, so we, we're gonna pick out a handful of games that we you know we're just gonna spitball here. So we got Duke Clemson on Monday. You think that could be a big game, and why? I think that Duke's coach Mike Elko, he came in Texas A and M last year. Uh, he was Jimbo's defensive coordinator. He came in won nine games at Duke last year. They have a quarterback Riley Leonard that a lot of people I don't think are aware of because it's Duke. You know. Somebody tried to call it out early so he could climb up the draft board, but that's the name that I heard recently. After yeah, and, and 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 you always got to be a little leery, you know, because schools like Duke doesn't always they don't always get spotlight games like this. You know, this is a standalone Labor Day night game at home. You know, Clemson breaking in a new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Even though he's a great offensive coordinator, he came from TCU. If you remember who got spanked around the national title game last year, but leading yeah, up to that, 70 points, you know, but leading up to that, you know, TCU's offense was hitting on all cylinders and every, so, so, so Clemson's going to be breaking that in, you know, and I just think that a lot of people think that last year was a fluke for Duke. Um, I don't think that Duke is going to win 10 games this year. But just for first game of the season, standalone game in time. And when I look at Clay A. Klubnik, Clemson's quarterback, everybody thinks he's going to be great, you know, but so far we haven't seen that. He went to Notre Dame last year and they lost 35 to 13. You know, he got they got whooped against Tennessee in the Orange Bowl, you know, without Hendon Hooker. You know, because K Club that couldn't lead them. So, you know, and like I said, new offensive coordinator who is a better offensive coordinator than what they had. But we just gotta see what that mix is. Like, like, is he a fit for that system? You know, are are they gelling right out the gate? And Clemson, to your point about playmakers, the one thing about Clemson that I don't understand is how a school as good as them don't necessarily have top end wide receiver talent. You know, they, so they, so, they were so, pumping them out though. You know, you had the They were Hodge Justin Ross. And yeah. Watkins, Justin Ross. So like you would you would thought they were creating like this this pipeline to where Deion Kane was good for a little bit, but like, but you know, but since that time, they haven't really had any other big receivers that have come out of there that were uber talented and that were the best receiver in the ACC or the or one of the best receivers in the country. They haven't had that, and I would say that at least the past three years, you know. So, so Clemson is one of those teams where I think they're good because of Dabo. They're good because of they do have talent. They have solid pieces, but like you said, they're they're not Georgia. They're not Alabama. They're like that next tier below which is still better than Duke. But Riley Leonard is the type of quarterback with his legs. That could make up for. That could your, make up for. He right. could Anthony Richardson it. 
he got Anthony Richardson in. You know what I mean? Now, with that being said, what it looked like last night without Anthony, without the playmaker at the quarterback position. That's that's the dynamic piece of, of college football. Right. Like having a playmaker that can make plays with his legs, it just makes the defense have to think. Like I, I heard somebody mention it, like you know, with Lamar Jackson is like defenses have to think, then react versus that half second just makes react. That half yeah. second is like, does he still have the ball? Oh, and now he's already in a hole, and you already got a guard on you blocking you at the second level. And it's like, all right, he's 12 yards down the field now. Now, yeah. with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, I'm not saying that Duke is going to win Monday night. I'm still picking Clemson to win, you know, but it might be one of those games that we look back later in the season if Clemson does lose a game at some point. We might see some things that happen against Duke that they just weren't good enough to take advantage of. But they might – I don't want to do – the. I don't want to say lay the blueprint, but they could show you some things within Clemson's game that could be exposed. Okay, and you got your, your matchup. I don't know if you're going to be as biased as I was. Woo! No, I'm not going to be biased. I'm not going to be biased. Florida State I, University I, and Louisiana State University. So, so this is my thing. This, so this is my thing. They played last year in New Orleans. Um, and for three quarters, Florida State dominated that game. And I feel they took their foot off the gas. LSU got back into the game. FSU had the ball at the two-yard line with a chance to go up two scores. They call a toss play, fumble the pitch. LSU gets the ball back. They run back down the field, you know, drive down the field 98 yards, get the touchdown, Florida State blocks the extra point. Everybody's like, Florida State escaped. And it's like, no, 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 no. Florida State dominated that game. Like, they just had a miscue on their own end. And so this year, I think LSU was better because year two of uh, Brian Kelly. So last year, he took them to the SEC title game in his first year. So, you know, you got to give the respect. You got to give the credit. You know, uh, Florida State, I think, is still the better team. The game is in Orlando versus being in New Orleans. So simply put, I think both teams are similar to what they were last year. They're returning a lot of what they had last year. Florida State won in New Orleans. So I just think it's practical to pick Florida State to win in a more of a home game. And Mason Smith is suspended, who, yeah, neutral site in Orlando, you know, just like last year, neutral site was New Orleans. But but Mason Smith got hurt last year. His his absence was a big reason why Florida State dominated that game. He's suspended for this game this weekend. So, I mean, like when I just look at it in totality, LSU was the favorite. NIL stuff, right? When he he got here before NIL. Before NIL, like why are you legal, investigating yeah. that? Like, why are you, right. why are you even investigating that? Yeah, he like, should not be suspended, you know. And and but then also, like LSU was favored by two and a half. So if I'm in that Florida State locker room, you know, my thought is, yo, we went in New Orleans, and for lack of better words, it was a one point game. I know what the final score said, but for lack of better words, we whooped them in New Orleans last year, and we got the same exact team back, and. Some dudes that yeah, were injured Florida. last year are back. You know what I mean? So, like, I just feel like Florida State has the advantage. Now, with that being said, if you're going to lose this game, 
like just from looking into the future, I would probably yeah, rather right. be I would probably rather be Florida State and lose this game because if you lose this game as Florida State, you go to Clemson on September 27th. So you could get an as good win as you had a loss. And then you could just win out from there, take take some momentum with you, you know, winning in Death Valley and going forward. If you're LSU and you lose this game, you still got to go to Tuscaloosa. You know, you still got to play AM. And you still you got know, like, you know, well, potentially Georgia in the SEC title game. They don't yeah. play them during yeah. the regular season. You know what I mean? But you know, depending on if Florida can get their stuff together, you know, you got Florida late in the year. You know, Arkansas always plays you tough, you know, so like Ole Miss. So, so you know, so like LSU just has less room for error on so you got to You got to win the tough out-of-conference game because you're going to get credit for your conference being tough. But yeah. you can't get – they can't over – they can't give you extra credit and be like, yeah, oh, well, your two losses, we get it because you played a tough conference. Right, so yeah. To, if they lose the old Miss. The, the non-conference game. You have to win your they, non-conference game in order to allow that, you know, that level of justification. When it right. Comes to, so if they lose, so the if they lose the old Miss, if they lose the old Miss, the media is just going to overrate old Miss. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Even if old Miss, Miss finishes 75. You know, they can like, be 24 yeah. and they'll be 16 the next week if they beat LSU. And then LSU will go from, you know, say they're four, and they'll drop them to nine. Yeah, exactly. Keep them in the you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they lose to Florida State, you know, you'll be fine as long as Florida State doesn't crap the bed. You know, if Florida State ends up nine and three, then that don't look so good. If Florida State does what people are projecting them to do. You could get away with that loss, you know, but you just got to win out because. You lose another game, you're out. You know, and then that helps like Florida State because I think they'll push them up the the brackets because they won. They'll be the, they beat the SEC school on a neutral field, right? In the year they beat LSU on a neutral site, so that'll move right. them up the game. No, yeah, we'll so, get so, the so politics of, of the of the ranking system after they, they rank it here later. Yeah, so if I was LSU, I would win this game. You know, I would just go win this game Sunday night. If I'm Florida State, I'm trying to win it, but if I lose it. I got Clemson, and then I should I should be on cruise control until I play Miami, and then once you if you clear Miami, maybe you match up with Clemson again in the ACC title game. Clemson's out for revenge, and you get past that one game you're in. But the scheduling gods have helped Florida State out because you know when before the schedule came out this year. I was shaking in my little boots because I was like, when do we play NC State? When do we play NC State? Because NC State has won five out of the last six against Florida State. And the last three, including last year, with their starting quarterback getting hurt. So no NC State on the schedule. As a Florida State fan, I feel pretty good. But speaking of NC State, next week, next week, we got NC State against Notre Dame. You know, and this and Notre is one Dame, of the games that you think they're going to have an impact on the playoffs. So you got, yes, we got because, a few games here. We got Notre Dame, NC State, which you highlighted yep. earlier. We we're talking. You got Utah, Baylor, and Alabama, Texas. So what's so yeah. impactful about the NC NC State Notre Dame game? Because Notre Dame is in that same boat as LSU. Like they have to win the games that they're supposed to win. Because 
for all intents and purposes, you know, Sam Hartman coming in from Wake Forest, ACC all-time leading touchdown scorer. This is what Notre Dame has been lacking the last 10 years is an elite quarterback. Now they have the quarterback. And this year, their season should, should boil down to a three-game season. You know, they host Ohio State in a few weeks. They go to Clemson at some point this season. They host USC. So three games right there. You go two and one in those games. You don't drop anything else that you shouldn't. And Notre Dame is right in the middle of the playoff conversation. Now, NC State has the defensive front that can give Notre Dame's offensive line trouble because their offensive line is their strength. But NC State is one of the few teams on their schedule that has the defensive line that could give Notre Dame problems. I think Notre Dame gets out of there. But, you know, like I said, three-game season. So even if Notre Dame doesn't get into the playoff conversation themselves, even if they don't make the playoff, they're going to have a lot to say about who gets in the playoff. Because if you're a guy like me that doesn't have Ohio State in the playoff. You want Notre Dame to beat Ohio State. Right, right. You know what I mean? Uh, if you If you don't, if you're a guy like me that doesn't have USC in the playoff, <laughs> Notre Dame has a chance to beat USC. You know what I mean? Clemson, I don't have in the playoff. So so either way it goes, like these teams are either going to lose to Notre Dame and it's going to affect their playoff shot or Notre Dame can impact their own and bolster playoff their own shot. Right. All right. Playoff matchups. We love this. This back to back. We like these. I like Nick Saban and the and the Crimson Tide doing this. They've been doing it a lot the last few years. Granted, they have been so much on paper. They have been so much better than so many of their opponents that any neutral site game that they play week one, they still look like they they should beat them. So I like the Texas game. They were playing Oregon. They played Colorado back in the day as well. So Alabama, Texas, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? So what I like about it is, for one, my biggest problem with the SEC is that the SEC has been the best conference for at least the last 20 years. No doubt about it, right? Yeah. But the problem is, is that, like last night, teams like Florida don't play these games very often. And if they do, they don't go on the road to play them. So last year, Alabama came down to Austin and snuck out of here with a one-point win. But Quinn Ewers got hurt in that game. And at the time that Quinn Ewers got hurt, not that Texas was dominating the game so close and everything, but it was literally like, we believe, you know, like we thought we were watching Alabama about to fall. And Bryce Young came through at the nth hour, you know, took Alabama down the field and got the field goal for the win. You know, now there's no Bryce Young. So, so now we got to see Quinn Ewers Hopefully he stays healthy. Quinn Ewers play the whole game against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. It gives us a look at Quinn Ewers as far as like NFL draft, maybe. You know, can he take his show on the road in a big game like this? You know, uh, Sarkeesian never won more than nine games in a season. A lot of people have Texas playoff hype this year, playoff fever this year. So this is the t- kind of game that they have to go win to make people like me and people that don't believe consider them, you know, for and, Alabama. And let them know it's a, it's a good benchmark measuring point for 
like a measuring stick for them when they move to the SEC. Yeah, and, and who knows? Like, I mean, Sar- Sarkeesian, Sarkeesian had on Saban's staff, you know, before he left for Texas. So, you know, you got the student pupil thing. You know, I'm always into that, especially with Jimbo and Nick Saban. Uh, then you got, you know, uh, Alabama with their new quarterback. I still don't think Alabama truly knows who their quarterback is going to be. I they're starting tomorrow against Middle Tennessee State. But I think we're going to see a couple of quarterbacks tomorrow. So, like, where are they going to settle for this? Um, and then, you know, number three, you know, the other thing about this is playoff implications. Same thing as, as LSU Florida State. You know, can Texas win this game and set themselves up with a room for error? Because I don't think Texas is going to go undefeated. You know, so if they can win but this game. Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Get you some credit. Yeah, get you some credit. We got another Texas uh, battle. Utah going down to Baylor. We saw Utah last night. Uh, Yeah. like I I watched the Florida. Florida, you know, we we talk about uh, the NFL athletes that come from Florida, Texas, California, places like that. They looked like they had the athletes to compete the playmaking or the play calling didn't match up with the playmakers. Utah is always solid defensively. They just offensively, they have talent, but just defensively, like so many players end up on NFL squads out of Utah because they play sound defense. They play a big front four man front linebackers are huge in that defense and corners are one-on-one a lot. You see, you saw it in the USC game when they picked off Caleb Williams in the Texas championship game and in the game before. So the Florida Utah game, Utah didn't really do much in the second half. They just they had a couple of good drives going down to Baylor. Do you think it's going to help them that they have like an extra day of rest or is it going to hurt them because now they're going to be in a little bit more of a another big time college football environment with that, that so i don't Baylor. I, I don't i don't like the time zone because it's an 11 a.m kickoff local you know so i don't like that you know um coming over from the mountains and i mean it's only an hour difference but you know but i still think playing that early you know that's for those early because you teams, gotta get you gotta get to sleep at night the night before that's just early in general 11 yeah, o'clock that's yeah yeah yeah, uh, then then you got, you know, so initially coming into the season, my thought was their game against Florida was going to be such a physical game that when they got to Baylor, it could be a scheduled tough game or scheduled loss just off of how banged up they were. But I don't think they got banged up nearly as bad as what they would last night, you know. So, yeah, Florida, so that, didn't, Florida didn't really, like, they have what's that defensive line number twenty one, weighs like yeah. four hundred pounds. Yeah, almost no impact on the game. Yeah, like realistic, so, like just as far as like that 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 tough game that beat beat you down game. I don't yeah. recall that being a problem for Utah last night. So 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 I feel better about it for Utah than I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but also, you know, back to the original, oh, my goodness, is is Cam Rising going to play? You know, because if we're still playing the backups, 
then I don't know, you know, because I mean, even though they beat Florida last night, it's not as if Bryson, you know, lit the lit the world on fire or anything. Nate Robinson came in and he had the packages for himself, you know, but Dave Aranda is a good defensive coach, you know, LSU national champion, you know, all that good stuff. So, so, you know, he, he will have a game plan for a non cam cam rising offense to make this a game, you know, and it goes back to it. You know, the PAC 12 has been known over the last five years because nobody's made the playoffs since Washington in 2016. So the PAC 12 has been just beating on each other, you know, all year long. And this year, I think it's, it may happen again because all of the big games, the marquee games are backloaded, you know? So all those games are like the last, Five, six weeks of this, there's not a break where, like, okay, you might play Utah now, and then you got four weeks before you play USC. A lot of these teams are playing these teams back to back, you know, so, which is, you know, when we get to USC, that's a lot of the reason I don't have them in the playoff. All right. So that's impact. Then you have your couple weeks after that. We got Florida State, Clemson. Your Ohio State Notre Dame game, you're talking about the impact there. But yeah. then you got Iowa Penn State as a game that's on your radar. And we talked about the stipulations for the yeah, yeah. For Iowa. Yeah, he's out of average 25 points a game to keep his job. Brian Ferentz, the son of Kirk Ferentz, the head coach. You know, like this is nepotism run amok. And it's fine. Yes. Yeah, we finally got a way to get Ferentz out of there because I always call Iowa the Denver Broncos of college football because if Iowa had averaged like 19 points or something last year, you know, they're probably in the Big Ten title game instead of Purdue. But, you know, but when I look at this matchup, Penn State is one of the teams like Texas this year that a lot of media members are just on. Like a lot of me, a lot of media people are picking Penn for the top. Penn State's going to do this. Penn State's going to do that. And I think Penn State has the talent, you know, but James Franklin reminds me a lot of Brandon Staley. When he gets in these big games, he just does wild things. Like I remember one year they were playing Ohio State. and I mean, they were toe-to-toe with Ohio State. And it was the second quarter. It was a low-scoring game, like 6-3. to And he went for it on like fourth and six from the 40. And I'm like, what you doing, bro? Like, like. He just does stuff like that, you know. So, so with this game against Iowa, now the thing that Penn State has going for them in this game that that should be that's the night of the whiteout. So, you know, prime time, proud and all white, you know, that intimidating, like a hundred thousand people. Yeah, uh, one of my son's friends graduated high school with. He just enrolled in Penn State. He's loving it. Yeah, I got to go he to one of those whiteout games. I got yeah. to. I hate Crazy Penn State, but I got to go. Streets. You know, but but yeah, so like so like I just think with Drew Aller, you know, coming in as quarterback, I know a lot of people are saying that he's gonna be an upgrade over Sean Clifford. I believe that to be true as well. I just don't know how quickly that happens, you know, because like you're telling your quarterback, like, Dave, we got playoff aspirations. I need you to replace this guy that won eleven games in back to back seasons without missing a beat. You know, like and that's won, a and lot won the Rose Bowl, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 you know, so Penn State has a trip to Illinois that I'm a little leery about 
you know, um, just from a young quarterback standpoint. You know, so I, I just think that if Penn State is going to make the playoff or make a push toward the playoff, this Iowa game will tell us a lot about Penn State. You know, like not from the standpoint of, oh, they got a new quarterback so they can't be good. See this new quarterback against a defense that could challenge him. Yeah, so Mike's been given, you know, he's been doing his two five dailies. We have a lot of all screen talks and a lot of his conversations. They're not like, oh, I gotcha. Like, oh, this team that went two and 11, they're going to go 11 and two this year. He's like, he's not pulling out stuff like that. So what he does have is, you know, interesting games. Like we got Georgia on the road at Auburn. He's like, he singled that out as one of the games. It's like Georgia, it's going to be what you said, their first road game of the year. It's the first road game of the year. And it's, and, and they have, and they would have already played three or four games by that point. So the good news is you got your feet wet. You know, like, and one of those games is against South Carolina, who has a lot of hype this year, too. You know, not playoff hype, but people, the way they ended last season, the way they smoked Tennessee, you know, the bowl game against Notre Dame, you know. So, like, the people are big on South game. Carolina. Yeah, and, and and by the way, South Carolina, North Carolina, tomorrow, Charlotte, going to be a good game. Check it out, primetime. But, but you know, but they, the Georgia will have played South Carolina at that point. So I can say that they would have been tested or played a good team before they go into Auburn. But this is not only their first road game. It's the road game against a rival in the Deep South's longest rivalry. That's the name of the rivalry. The Deep South's longest rivalry. So there's passion there. And then, oh, by the way, Auburn's got Hugh Freeze as coach now, who's going to be trying to make a name for himself back into the SEC after he lost the job at Ole Miss a few years ago because he couldn't use the right phone to contact recruits. And he was contacting recruits at the wrong time, and allegedly there were hookers, all kinds of stuff. But but you know, but he's back, you know, in the SEC. So Some Auburn, of these investigations are chaotic, man. Yeah, and, and Auburn, you know, like a lot of people, like we don't know what to do with Auburn. Like they're one of our teams that we just don't know what we're going to see because Hugh Freeze is such an upgrade over Brian Harson, over Ryan Harson that Auburn has to be better. But I still don't know <laughs> if they have Auburn talent, you know. But in college football, we know sometimes with these rivalry games, you throw the record out. So this is George's you first throw road the game. record out if you have somebody has to have the player to make the records get thrown out. Because even with that, a lot of times you throw the record out, but one team still beats the breaks off the other team. Well, just two years game. ago. Well, just two years ago, you know, um, I just talked about how much of an upgrade Ryan Harson is or uh Hugh Freeze is over Ryan Harson. You know, uh Iron Bowl. You know, two years ago, Bryce Young wins the Heisman, all that good stuff. And it took four overtime to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl for Alabama. So, like, sometimes it just happens that way. You know, like, I'm not saying Auburn's whole season is going to be like that. But yeah. you got the number one team coming in there. And I expect Auburn to be undefeated by that point. Like, both teams will be undefeated. That might be a primetime game. You know, you got your new quarterback, Carson Beck, going into his first road game, Hugh Freeze. And Hugh Freeze did beat Bama twice when he was the coach at Ole Miss. So this is what he does. 
So, you know, that's what it's I'm saying. Like, big games. Yeah, so so I'm not so so I still think Georgia wins. I think I got Georgia going undefeated up until they go to Knoxville. I think Tennessee will knock them off. But basically, Georgia, outside of whatever problems Auburn could impose on them, Georgia's on cruise control until they get to Knoxville, you know, unless Kentucky can do something about that. All right, so then we have, we got coach versus disciple, Bama and A&M. Yes, yes. This is a game yes. you're really interested in because a couple years ago, A&M with the kick, we all saw the highlight of yes. the kicker's girlfriend, like, you can do it, 47. You can yeah. do it. And everyone's crying and screaming. But then we had the press conference. That was uh recorded where uh not necessarily a press conference, it was a meeting like well no, he was talking to the boosters. boosters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talking to the boosters, he had a meeting with the boosters, and he said basically Texas AM bought all their players. Which they did, now, you know. <laughs> every, everyone does, like no one's like no one's doing anything for free. I get what he was saying in that in that situation. It was like, listen, Texas AM had no more recruiting class because they probably were given out certain access to amenities that we i need you guys to give me right i use the example of like hey if if some of these boosters have access to a private plane where i can go pick up a recruit or a handful of recruits from some top prep school like if you're alabama you want to fly to jersey you want to get like st joe's preps you know north Jersey. i think they're like burry county like you know burry county catholic is another school that's up there I want to get four or five of these guys and bring them down to a Bama versus Vanderbilt game. A game we're going to dominate, and I can show them the whole thing, like our homecoming game. Because you know when you pick homecoming, you pick a team you're more likely going to beat. Right. I need access to a plane. I need access to – I need your co- hotel connects. I need this. I need the dealership connects. Like we talk about Lane Kiffin all the time with the Bentley. And how he had Jackson Dart in the Bentley. He had like a couple of his wide receiver commits taking pictures with their jerseys on in front of the Bentley. Don't know why you need to be dressed in your full football gear in front of a Bentley, but Lane Kiffin has it, uses it, is all over their Snapchat and their Instagram stories. So I think he just was saying, like, yo, I need that kind of access. So I need your money so I can, so we don't keep losing recruits or lose the recruiting battle down south. Um, but Jimbo Fisher. Came back and dressed this a little bit and said, "Well, look at how God does his business." And I was like, "Come yeah. on, man. you were there too. You were there too. Like that's the you that's that's the to me. It's like people are like listen. That's when when you are there. If you're if you're with me, creating the criminal plan, shut your mouth. It through. You don't say shit. Yeah." Yeah, that's okay, but, it, it, but you, you know, got Bama and what are you thinking of that game? But 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 not only the kick last year, remember we we talked about it, we talked about it last week, came down to the oh, last when he play. Said the name. Yeah, allegedly, you know, Jimbo said Evan, so everybody knew it was going to Evan Stewart. So, you know, AM, you know, this is the thing. They got Bobby Petrino now. You know, you know Bobby Petrino very well. That's my guy, man. <laughs> I'm, glad he, I'm glad he left. I'm glad he left. You know, they opened the door for so many things. Yeah, he uh he was coaching, he was the head coach at Missouri State last year, went into Arkansas, almost pulled the upset. So, you know, now he's on Jimbo's staff. 
According so far, Jimbo's playing nice and saying that like Bobby's calling the plays and everything. So we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, like with the news how they've been the last two years, and going back to Johnny football, you know, knocking off Alabama, you know, AM has been one of the teams that even with even when they don't win, they typically perform well against Alabama. They just win eleven and one. A couple of the COVID year and finished number five just outside of the playoff, and everybody wanted AM in. And I was like, but Bama beat them by 28, so let's not do that. But but the point being is that AM feels like it's almost like the Buffalo thing. You know, AM feels like Alabama's in their way from greatness. But then you turn around and you got LSU and whoever else in your way too that you didn't pay attention to and you got picked up. Yeah, you yeah, got knocked off, off, you yeah. know. So 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 I just think that until Nick Saban retires, until Jimbo's not in AM, that game is just going to be must see TV every year. Like I, I tune into that game to try to watch the handshake before the game. You know what I mean? And I stay to watch the handshake after the game. <laughs> I like when they push the photographers out of the way as if they don't know the photographers are all trying to get in position to get the shot. Right. It's like they try to act like they're extra annoyed by it. like you know this is happening you know all right, the right right I am coming out here to shake his hand at the fifty yard line whatever that whatever the the marker is get out of the way yeah you'll yeah. get you'll get the shot you got a twenty five thousand dollar camera you should be able to get a good picture from wherever you're standing yeah uh, so yeah so I mean right now those are some of your impact games you had you say you got a USC Notre Dame playing late. In the season, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, USC. Um, the reason I don't have them in the playoff, I think that they should make the playoff because Caleb Williams is just that good. I think Caleb Williams is probably going to win the Heisman again. You know, unless Washington, unless my pick of Washington making the playoff comes true, and Michael Penix, big Penix energy gets it. But when I look at USC, the problem with USC is. They have their buy, their buy is in two weeks. So they go on by September 16th, and then they play every week after that. But at some point, they play at Notre Dame, come home for Utah the next week. They get a breather with Cal. Then they get Washington. And then they close at Oregon and then at home against UCLA. That's rough. And that's what I mean about the Pac-12 beating each other up and not doing each other any favors. Like the, yeah, the way the that these games game are, Yeah, the way that this get this get you know like USC is your bell cow. And I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to say that you Just rig saying, it or whatever. Like, like, you, you, you got you gotta rig it. You gotta SEC rig it. He sets their schedules up every single year. So well, well look at okay, so you look get, at Alabama. You get, early, you get your early game against Texas, for instance. We use Alabama. You get your early game against Texas, and then so you play Middle Tennessee State, you play a game against Texas, and then you get some cupcakes in there. You get like a game like not necessarily this year, but like they get a game like Mercer or you throw on a Georgia State. Well, look, and then you start so, your you know, you start your your, your run. Yeah. So so th- so this is Alabama's schedule, real quick, real quick. So Middle Tennessee. Texas. After Texas, they go to Tampa to play USF. They get Ole Miss at home, go to Starkville for Mississippi State, go to Kyle Field for AM, Arkansas at home, 
Then this is where they get smart. They get Tennessee on October 21st at home. Then the bye week. And then you know who they play coming out the bye week. LSU every year, first week of November. They play LSU out, out the bye. Now, this year is a little tricky because they go to Kentucky the week after that. So that's a tough spot. But then before the but then before the Iron Bowl, they play UT Chattanooga. Yeah. Every year. So you gotta do that. Auburn, like, so, so, checking that Auburn now. I'm just gonna check Auburn's schedule for the Iron Bowl. Like keep going, but I, I'm gonna just pull up just, yeah, so, just so, the game before the Iron Bowl. Yeah. So so if you're USC and you know that you gotta play Notre Dame anyway, instead of playing Stanford on September 23rd, maybe I play Utah then. Maybe I play Washington then. Maybe I play Oregon then. And then and you know, four weeks I could play one of the other ones. Exactly. So if we, we just talked about Alabama schedule, Auburn plays at home New Mexico State before they play the Iron Bowl. And that's how they do it every year. And honestly, I, I see no faults in it because especially we understand the parameters of the college football season. One loss, you used to be done with the BCS. One loss, you were done unless everybody else had a loss and then maybe you can get back up. But right. it took for everybody to get a loss. But now you're if you're Alabama, you're good with one loss. If you are LSU, you're good with one loss. So there's only a few teams that can make with one loss. You have to make sure your schedule lines up to where you don't have a six-game stretch that has Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, uh, Oregon State, UCLA. Like, why would you put yourself in that position? You could have played Utah early. Yeah. Get it out of the way. Get your rematch out of the way because now – Utah's beaten USC two times in a row. Now you're not going to play them until October, and Utah can be rolling. You want to yeah. catch them early. I want to catch them. I want to catch them when they're work breaking in a new quarterback, breaking in a new freshman defensive lineman, whatever the case may be, and get them early with my seasoned quarterback. I want to get. I want to get the teams that are normally good in my conference. I want to get one of them early. And then working some cupcakes in the middle, then play my rivalry league. Right. And, and and that's what I'm saying. So that's why, whereas conversely, you know, I have Oregon State as one of my surprise teams making it to the Pac-12 title game, losing, but making it to the Pac-12 title game. But when I look at their schedule, for example, they play Washington, they play UCLA, they play Utah, they play Oregon. Oregon is the only one of those games that's on the road and they don't play USC. So that's why I have Oregon state. It's not that I looked at Oregon state per se and was like, you know what? This is the team. Like I just looked at their schedule. Oh, I think they have the second or third best coach in the PAC 12, you know, and Utah goes there on a Friday night. Be very careful because if you remember last season, Caleb Williams went there on a Friday night and USC got out of there 17 to 14, you know, with a late touchdown to win that game. So like I think he, I just, he, it's one of those games where he went like 22 for 45 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something, something weird like that. Yeah. I 
remember seeing his stat line thinking like this is a crazy stat line for a guy that's talented but it was just what it is one of those things where i think the schedule just plays out in oregon state's favor you know um but you know but but like i said so in my playoff you know um i ended up with after much deliberation and changing and like playoff predictors so i ended up with michigan as my one seed you know michigan is the number one you know i ended up with uh washington is my four seed i got georgia is the two and florida state is the three so i got georgia knocking off florida state i got michigan knocking off washington and then i got michigan over georgia for the national title so i got georgia getting back to the title game to defend their honor but they fall just short got a score <laughs> not yet but you know not yet it's way too early for all that but i mean just off the top of my head i'll just say something like 27 23 but you know uh but but you know like but there's but there's a few teams that i wanted to hit on real quick before we get out of here um with, with a little bit of reasonings and all that kind of stuff like that so 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 i got georgia's only loss against tennessee florida state's only loss to clemson Washington's only lost to Oregon State, and I got Michigan undefeated. You know, um, you know, schools that have a chance to win the national title that are not in my playoff. You always got to give Ohio State a fighting chance because of their talent. You know, they still got Marvin Harrison Jr., probably the best wide receivers in the country. You know, so they're breaking in a new quarterback who just happens to be Marvin Harrison's high school quarterback. So you know, they have that rapport. You know. Uh, LSU, I, mean, I mentioned you do them. a better job of recruiting. Like, right. I mean, can you can you nail it any better than that? Right. LSU. Yeah. So obviously, like if LSU wins this weekend, they set themselves up. They have that wiggle room for error where they can lose in Tuscaloosa and still be okay, provided that they went out from there. Notre Dame, you know, could get in the playoff because you know, we talked about it. They're at that point where they got Ohio State, Clemson, USC on the schedule. So they got the opportunity, you know, as long as they don't lose to somebody else, they got the opportunity where they could lose one of those games and still fight forward. And with Sam Hartman, you know, USC, can defense improve at all? It didn't look like it last week, but it was game one. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. Clemson, you know, just because they have the championship pedigree, you know, they've been in the mix. So, you know, if all goes right, Tennessee could make the playoff because I have them beating Georgia. So can they beat Bama again? You know, like, or like, so. It was a false, it was a false start on that field goal. I'm going to say it. It was. It was a false start. Yeah. So for Tennessee, you know, it comes down to, you know, I don't want to do the thing. But Tennessee has four games. You know, Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia. And Texas A&M, you know, so um, they can lose one of those games and still be sitting in a position to make the playoff. But obviously, a second loss would take them out of the picture. Uh, Texas, we talked about Texas. If Texas goes in there in Tuscaloosa, you look at Texas and say, who can't they beat if they can go into Alabama? You know what I mean? But I got Texas losing to Oklahoma. And I got Texas losing in the Big 12 championship game to Kansas State. But if all goes right, Texas could get in the playoff. 
Penn State, we talked about them. There is a way, you know, if, if Penn State and Ohio State are what the people say they are, you could have Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all finish 11-1 and one and just beat each other. So there you go. There's your doomsday scenario. We had that in 2008. I don't know if you remember. We had this in 2008. Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. That was the year Crabtree caught the touchdown against Texas. Um, but Oklahoma got the tiebreaker and played against Tebow in the championship game. So we could see something like that. So then you got your long shots. These are teams that probably aren't going to make the playoff, but two five wouldn't be shocked if they did. Everybody else would be. So you got Oregon, you know, can Bo Nix continue what he did last year? You know, they get USC at home. They go to Washington. They go to Utah. So schedule-wise is why I don't have them in the playoff, just because of those two road games right there. You know, Wisconsin. You know, I picked Wisconsin over Ohio State in week nine. Well, what happens there? But if Wisconsin can win that game, if Wisconsin can win that game, I don't see anything else on their schedule outside of Iowa that should give them cause to pause because they don't play Penn State regular season. They don't play Michigan regular season. So the only way they would meet Penn State or Michigan is in the Big Ten title game. So if they can beat Ohio State, and even if they lose to Ohio State, and that's their only loss, they get to the Big Ten title game, knock off one of those big three from the East, maybe you got something there. And, and then finally, yep, and then finally – Oklahoma, you know, uh, they got all the talent. I'm not a fan of the coach, but they got all the talent. Like I said, I think they're going to beat Texas. But if they're, I'm Oklahoma. That defensive, that, that, it was wide open. That game against TCU, I've never seen so many wide receivers by themselves I know, I know. outside the hash marks. For a defensive coach to beat, for and, a team to perform that poorly, I just was like, you're not going to last and, here. And that was the game that the quarterback got to it. You know what I mean? And then, uh, yeah, he missed the Texas game, you know, 49 to nothing, you know, all that, you know, but you got the newcomers to the Big 12 this year. Oklahoma plays Cincinnati and UCF and BYU. Um, I don't think they get Houston, but they get those three at least. So they should have three wins right there just off of those guys. If they can beat Texas, that's four. They got Arkansas State tomorrow. That's five. Beware next week because they got new ACC edition SMU. But I'm going to just say they're going to beat SMU. That's six. You know, Oklahoma State, you know, Bedlam. This is going to be the last year of Bedlam. You Oklahoma know, so, State. yeah, I think so too. But, you know, but, yeah, but but Oklahoma is one of those teams that they have the talent to where if they can get through Texas, you know, the sky's the limit. So, you know, um, but, yeah, so once again, to recap, you know, uh, Michigan over Georgia in the national title. Florida State and Washington is my other two playoff teams. And then, you know, ready for some football. Tomorrow we got uh, Tennessee against the Cavaliers, you know, down in Nashville. Neutral site. How about that? Neutral site, Tennessee and Virginia and Nashville. Neutral site. Well, I mean, they're, they're, it's close enough because Virginia – uh, the Cavaliers in Charlottesville, they're pretty west, so they're pretty close to Tennessee anyway, so it's not like 
the fans getting to Nashville isn't going to be like a crazy thing. If you're a UVA right. fan, you're already, you're already on that half of the state for the most part anyway. So it's just. Yeah. So we got that tomorrow. Hours. You know what I'm saying? So like, uh, you know, we got Eddie George, Mr. Eddie George, head coach of uh, Tennessee State, going up south to take on College Football University, a.k.a. Notre Dame. You know, first time Notre Dame has ever played an FCS school. You know, so like if you go play an FCS school, play a HBCU. I like it, you know. So, you know, you got that tomorrow. We got UTSA, my local guys down here going to Houston. Last year they took Houston to two overtimes. So, you know, we'll see if they can pull it off now as they upgrade to the American Conference. Coach Prime at TCU. So, you know, I know Mr. Logical's looking forward to that one. You know, because you know, Dion on Seminole, I guess he's not a Seminole, just in case y'all were wondering. You know, uh let's see what else we got here going down yeah, the schedule. You know, Ole Miss against Mighty Mercer, you know what I mean? You got Ohio State opening Big Ten play on the road in Bloomington against the Hoosiers, favored by 30 and a half points. So, you know. We'll see if we get to see some other quarterbacks besides Kyle McCord. Boise yeah, Stadium. I'm gonna check all the all the all, all the point spreads. If anything's over 25 points, I'm just gonna take the under. Yeah. You know, you got uh 30. What is 30 it? You got, you got take it under. Yeah, you, you got Boston Co- I mean, I'm sorry, Boston College. Boise State trying to mess up my playoff pick early. You know, against Washington, you know, like luckily the game is in Seattle, you know, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I think Boise does have a chance to win that game, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, I'm sticking with my pick up in Seattle, Washington, you know, uh, Texas and Rice, you know, like that's a that's a thing, you know, the Rice Owls also in Houston, for those of you that didn't know that. You know what I mean? But uh, real quick, I want to point out the reason I brought up that game is because uh, back when JFK was the president, uh, they were, you know, this was the space race, you know, trying to become the first country to reach space. And uh, this is a quote from JFK. Why? But why, some say, the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? <laughs> so he was talking about all these difficult things. Why you want to do these difficult things? Why does Rice play Texas? <laughs> so crazy. there you go. JFK the prophet, you know what I mean? So Rice in Texas tomorrow. You know, and just in case you were wondering, Texas is favored by 35 and a half. Yeah, just in case you were wondering. USC back in action against Nevada. This is another chance for USC to show that their defense has improved because Nevada isn't very good. USC's favorite by 38. And then finally, you got uh Colorado State against Washington State in what might be a future mountain West game. So, you know, let's see how that goes. Uh Washington State favorite by 10. So, you know, yeah, like college football is back. You know, Stanford's up 21 to 7, about to hit the halftime against Hawaii. 
You know, so we are here. Sports reports is ordered. I am two five. That is Mr. Logical. You know, say do us a favor, like, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Share, share Make it. Sure you share, share it with your granddaddy. I still got the gray for y'all out here. You know, saying representing all the old folk. You know, saying but yes, we will be back next week. We're gonna look back at our baseball predictions and see how those are looking nowadays. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're looking. I got a couple that are looking like. Yeah, I, I mean, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, spoiler alert. And on that note, we out of here. Mr. Logical did pick the Mets to win the AL East, the NL East. I didn't say what year, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so no, thank you. you. Had too much money not to be successful eventually. <laughs> thank you for the support, America. You know, Sam, we love you. And we're back next week. Keep your eye out for 2-5 Daily. Then Mr. Logical will be coming at y'all, still working on some stuff. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to be in touch. You know what I'm saying? On that note, we love you. Peace.